Hey everybody, welcome to West Seattle Christian Online. My name is Worth. If you're new, welcome. If not, welcome back. So yeah, it's Memorial Day weekend. And the question is, what are we memorializing? Do you think that those who sacrificed their lives in the wars of yesteryear did so so that we could have to endure the tragedies that have befallen us this, these last few weeks? I mean, even these past few years, these last few decades since those wars. Because right now, we're in a time of national grieving, grieving for the lives of children that have been lost to senseless gun violence. And I want to talk to you about that today. There is no sense in sugarcoating it or avoiding it. This week, um, I've been praying, come Lord Jesus, feeling like I am joining the groaning of all creation for God's kingdom to come on earth as it is in heaven. So today, as part of our series called The Way, I want to talk to you about the actionable practice of peacemaking and how if you are a believer in Jesus and a follower of his ways, you can make a difference for peace in this world. And so this message is primarily to those who are already Christians, but if you are not in that category, I hope this message gives you hope uh, in and through Jesus as well. First, uh, I think we have to get real about how many people and churches who profess to follow Christ are actually practicing things and evoking ideas that are the exact opposite of what Jesus taught and demonstrated in his life. And so for those who look at Christians uh, from the outside and wonder, you know, how in the world can these people say they follow Jesus and at the same time advocate for violence and hatred? And that is a very good question. And the answer is Christians who think it is okay or compatible to hold up any system of abuse of power or oppression or violence, and at the same time think that they're standing with and for Jesus, well, they are just wrong. And the question uh, Christians should ask when they think of whatever issue it is that they want to be right about or stand up for is this. Is this actually what Jesus stood for or would stand for today? Would Jesus stand for your, quote-unquote, rights as an American citizen, whatever you think they may be? Was Jesus talking about America and its system of government when he talked about the kingdom of God and said that it was near and in our midst? Answer, no, he was not. He made those statements about the kingdom of God when his country was occupied by a foreign power that said it would bring peace through the sword. And because of this, Jesus' own countrymen thought that to gain true peace back from their oppressors, they had to gain it through military revolution and raise up arms against those oppressors. And Jesus walks into all that mess talking about the kingdom of God and preaching forgiveness and peace and love and self-sacrifice and serving and healing others. And they kill him for it. The Sermon on the Mount in Matthew 5, 6, and 7 is Jesus' most famous and intricately detailed uh, teaching. And in it, he makes crystal clear the central points of the way of life that he taught to his followers. And one of the central themes of the Sermon on the Mount 
is Christ's expectation that his followers be characterized by peace, not violence or war. So when ugly, violent, senseless killings happen, like this past week in Texas and a few days earlier in California and a few weeks, just a week ago in New York, and I hear and see Christians talking about their gun rights and that um, if teachers had guns, this wouldn't have happened. I think they're really far off the mark of following the way of Jesus. If you are a Christian who thinks it's okay to argue for your gun rights in the face of tragedies like these, I would ask you to re-examine the life of Jesus and then fall on your knees and beg God to turn your heart from stone to one of flesh and love. The impulse to go buy guns after hearing of children being shot to death is indicative of a sickness that is running rampant in our society, and it grieves my heart that I hear this from those who say they follow Jesus. Because revenge and retaliation are not the way of Jesus. Escalation is not the way of Jesus. It doesn't solve the problem. Guns are not deterrents. Stuff like that is antithetical to the kingdom of God. This is not what Jesus meant when he said the kingdom of God is at hand. If your impulse is that we need more weapons to counter weapons, then what you're really saying is that the kingdom of gun is at hand, not the kingdom of God. As Christians, we can never forget Jesus on the cross. And when you imagine Jesus dead upon the cross, what you see is a God who would rather die than kill his enemies. There's a really stark quote from Pastor Brian Zond, whom I will quote extensively today in this teaching. And I think it's really pertinent. This comes from his book, A Farewell to Arms, where he says, we should never forget that Jesus was executed in the name of, quote, freedom and justice, whether it was the Roman version or the Jewish version. But the cross shames the ancient deception that freedom and justice can be attained by killing. The crowd believes this pernicious lie, but Christ never does. The Passover crowd shouted, Hosanna, save now, until it realized that Jesus wouldn't save them by killing their enemies. Then it shouted, crucify him. Jesus refused to be a Messiah after the model of Alexander the Great Julius Caesar, Judah Maccabeus, William Wallace, or George Washington, and the crowd despises him for it. The crowd loves their violent heroes. The crowd is predisposed to believe in the idea that, quote, freedom and justice can only be achieved by violence. Too many Christians, myself included, want to forget this and put a facade over it or ignore it. Why? because it disturbs us, because it's, it's hard to believe in Jesus when we only want to trust ourselves for our own protection, and because it's hard to believe in Jesus when we want retribution and we want revenge. Brian Zahn comes at this idea very clearly in another book of his called Farewell to Mars. He says, the question, what are you willing to die for, is not the same as what are you willing to kill for? Jesus was willing to die for that which he was unwilling to kill for. But Jesus, in the very beginning of this Sermon on the Mount, in the section called the Beatitudes, he says this, Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called sons of God, in Matthew 5, 9. 
very clearly those who follow Jesus and his way are to be characterized by living a way that leads to peace. The way we live and demonstrate Christ's love should look totally distinct and opposite of a life characterized by violence. So if you're a Christian in America and you get caught up in your rights for owning guns after tragedies like these, I think it's time to rethink who or what you're actually following and modeling your life after. What it means to be a peacemaker is illustrated and defined throughout the New Testament. Paul writes in Romans 12, 18, that Christians are to do whatever possible to, quote, live peaceably with all humanity. Hebrews 12, 14 says, make every effort to live in peace with everyone and to be holy. Without holiness, no one will see the Lord. 2 Corinthians 13, 11 says, finally, brothers and sisters, rejoice strive for full restoration, encourage one another, be of one mind, live in peace, and the God of love and peace will be with you. Galatians 5, through 26 says, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things there is no law. Those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. Since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. Let us not become conceited, provoking and envying each other. All, all of these scriptures show the reality of what it means to be a Christian. A basic truth of following Jesus is to pursue peace. Christians are to pursue peace. And praying is a part of that, but not all of that. There are also active, nonviolent ways of pursuing peace. What is evident at this point in the church's history in America is that it is not enough. It is not enough to believe in Jesus. In fact, that has always been true. James 2 makes it clear that believing in God is not enough. Actions that demonstrate what you believe show that you really, truly have faith and who or what you have faith in. Again, the way Pastor Brian Zahn says this is really helpful. He says, it's not enough to believe in Jesus. We also have to believe in the Jesus way. In short, the problem is this. Far too few who believe in the risen Christ actually believe in his revolutionary ideas. There is a sense in which we create religion as a category to keep Jesus, to keep Jesus from meddling with our cherished ideas about nationalism, freedom, and war. It's hard because his ideas, Jesus's ideas for running the world are so radically different from anything we're accustomed to. So Brian's words here go hand in hand with what Jesus says later in his Sermon on the Mount. Jesus says, you heard that it was said, an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth, but I tell you not to resist an evil person, but whoever slaps you on your right cheek, turn the other to him also. You have heard that it was said, you shall love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I say to you, love your enemies. Bless those who curse you. Do good to those who hate you. And pray for those who spitefully use you and persecute you. Again, Brian Zahn's work on this subject in another of his, of his books called Beauty Will Save the World is just very good about this. It says, ultimately, we cannot eliminate enemies through violence. Violence only multiplies enemies. 
The only way to eliminate enemies is to love them, forgive them. And these are some of the hardest scriptures for Christians to apply. And the evidence of this is that many Christians that I meet, they just ignore these teachings. If you want to ignore these teachings, then I think it's time for you to reconsider whether or not you really want to be like Jesus. You can believe in him, but do you really want to be like him? Jesus taught this standard and practiced it himself. We see this in a few other places as well, but this prominent one in Matthew 26, starting in verse 51. With that, one of Jesus's companions reached for his sword, Peter, drew it out and struck the servant of the high priest, cutting off his ear. Put your sword back in its place, Jesus said to him, for all who draw the sword will die by the sword. Do you think I cannot call on my father and he will at once put at my disposal more than 12 legions of angels? Later on, Paul illustrates this in Romans 13, uh, verse 10. And he, all of this, all, in a way that Christians should work to demonstrate to others, he says this, Love does no harm to a neighbor, therefore love is the fulfillment of the law. Ultimately, the actionable practice of peacemaking comes down to standing up for what Jesus would stand up for. First and foremost, that means grieving with and carrying the burdens of those who have had peace ripped away from them, who have had violence perpetrated against them. And secondly, it means praying, and not just praying that people who are affected by violence and war and separation and pain would ultimately have peace, but what you pray for should be contextual for the situation. And our situation is this, our system in America is not working when it comes to peace and gun violence. And whether it means gun violence or hate crimes or, or hate mongering based on race, Christians need to name these things as antithetical to the way of Jesus and pray against them. And then we need to find ways to work for peace, to work for peace as peacemakers in the way of Jesus. Uh, Pastor Rich Vaidia says, uh, rightly in my opinion, just uh, uh, giving our thoughts and prayers to some need or tragedy are often the sanitized ways to ingrain us in insanity. In other words, it has become a status quo response. Rich goes often on to say, more often than not, thoughts and prayers are often disconnected from embodied engagement. Miroslav Volf goes straight to the heart of this matter here when he says, there's something deeply hypocritical about praying for a problem that you are unwilling to resolve. In other words, praying isn't going to magically stop systems of abusive power and oppression and anti-peace. I like the way Frederick Douglass, he said this over a century ago, has this spot-on quote about this. He says, I prayed for 20 years, but received no answer until I prayed with my legs. So pray, but pray more specifically for our country's eyes to be opened about guns, that our political leaders would repent of inaction or of blocking action on this and other anti-peace agendas. Obviously, pray for these families who have lost their family members who they will never, ever get back. Think about what it would be like to be in their shoes and then pray, if you can, and then get really practical. And so I wanna give you a few resources for how to be peacemakers, specifically contextualized to what we're dealing with in the aftermath of these recent mass shootings, these these mass murders. 
First, donate to the Rebels Project, a group that formed as survivors of the Columbine shooting way back in 1999 uh, that give mass shooting and trauma support to other survivors. Second, check out rawtools.org. Raw Tools is an organization that takes seriously the idea of Jesus's way of becoming peacemakers. Their mandate comes from the prophetic words of Isaiah in Isaiah chapter 2, which says the Lord will judge between the nations and will settle disputes for many peoples. They will beat their swords into plowshares and their spears into pruning hooks. Nation will not take up sword against nation, nor will they train for war anymore. And so uh, with that site, you can encourage Christian gun owners to take a look. Have them take a look at rawtools.org. There are resources for peace and disarmament, how to resolve conflicts that don't involve violent weapons, and how to let love rather than fear drive our relationships. Uh, rawtools.org also takes donations of guns to be decommissioned and repurposed by a network of pastors and blacksmiths around the country who are trained according to federal safety regulations and who are equipped with uh, the tools to decommission guns. I really, I really encourage you to do that. Log on to Everytown. Everytown is the largest gun violence prevention organization in the country. You can donate to them and find more resources uh, and how to help. Get on their email list and educate yourself. Uh, if you're in Washington State and you go to that site, click on the States link and then check out our report card for Washington. And then you can click on Act Now and see how else you can get involved and help. Another part of every town is called Moms Demand Action. I encourage you to uh, check that out. Moms, dads, parents, grandparents, aunts, uncles. Uh, this is a great way to get involved and learn more about how you can help. And I'm giving you all these resources with the understanding that working to end gun violence is one way to live out the actionable practice of peacemaking as a follower of Jesus. There are many more ways to live out this actionable practice that have to do with ending war, decommissioning nuclear weapons, welcoming refugees, and, and just many more practices that bring the beauty of Jesus's kingdom into our midst right now. My hope and prayer is that you find this helpful, whether in this issue of gun violence or another uh, issue altogether, start engaging in the actionable practice of peacemaking as a follower of Jesus and don't ignore what, what the Spirit is calling you to do and become, which is a peacemaker. I'm Worth Wheeler for West Seattle Christian Church. Stay rooted and deep in Jesus and produce good fruit, my friends.